Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. First, let's have a look at the main business stories in the newspapers and websites, which we'll do again in the illustrious company of Dan Moroni from RBS, RBC Brew and Dolphin. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Joe. Hope you're ready for the weekend. Hopefully the weather will be sustained. Dan, can we start with John Isle in the Irish Independent, a story about the biggest cement maker in the land? Yeah, this is a continuation, really, of of a story that we've we've read about in the context of different uh, what we have come to consider Irish PLCs over the years, delisting from Euronext Dublin. Um, in a press release yesterday, the the you know this came as no surprise to anybody. Well flagged uh, CRA shareholders, they overwhelmingly approved the plan to move the primary stock market listing to to New York. Um, and John O's story covers this comprehensively, the, the the rationale, the strategic rationale behind this. Effectively, CRH, it will still have a headquarters in Dublin. It will have a secondary listing on the London Stock Exchange, but it will be an American company. And it, it makes sense when, when you look at the press release CRH um, released yesterday, they're talking about the U.S. being the key driver of future growth for the business. Already, three quarters of Group EBITDA is in the U.S. And indeed, with the um, the rollout, the ongoing rollout of Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, CRH would see itself as being better off bidding as an American company for these contracts. There, there's there's huge growth potential, growth opportunities in the U.S. They're, they flagged it in their press release, talking about long term structural tailwinds as well from this type of federal um, uh, funding support that's available in the US. The company's biggest investors are also Americans accessing investment capital and executing market trans- transactions in the US will be easier. So while maybe the sentimental amongst us might uh, might see this as being a bit of a sad day, capital doesn't really have any emotion or any sentiment. And the, the business needs to manage uh, in the interests of its shareholders and stakeholders and and clearly, they believe and shareholders believe that strategically, this is the sensible move for CRH to make. Is this the start of something bigger? And not just companies delisting from Irish Stock Exchange, but we've also heard companies uh, deciding to delist uh, from London Stock Exchange, which traditionally has been the biggest in Europe, and move across the Atlantic. Yeah, I, I, I think it's... It's an ongoing story. It's uh, capital, as we know, has never been more international, never been more mobile. And I think as as geographic location in terms of company listing becomes less and less important, geographic allocation for investors becomes less important. It's really about where revenues are, are being generated. And companies will make the move that they think is in the strategic interests of the shareholders. And this is yet another example of that. And I think we can expect more to follow. Yeah. And staying with construction, Owen Burke Kennedy in the Irish Times has a story about house building. Yeah. Um, Minister for Housing, Darrell O'Brien, yesterday uh, released some figures um, in response to a parliamentary question from Sinn Féin's own O'Brien. Uh, it relates to new bill social housing units delivered last year, and 73% of them came from the private sector. Um, the majority, just over half, were delivered by private developers. Then there was another almost 20% that came from their purchase from private developers under Part 5 of the Planning and Development Act. Um, <clears throat> that's the act where 10% of private schemes are acquired for social housing. Um, so only uh, a little under 30% were delivered by local authorities and approved housing bodies. So uh, Ownberg Kennedy's story is highlighting the, the, the detail in this. It's quoting um, Mr. O'Brien, 
talking about, you know, the, the government's over-reliance in the opinion of Mr. O'Brien, the opinion of Sinn Féin, their over-reliance on private developers for social housing is high cost and high risk. Uh, there's a heavy over-reliance in, in Mr. O'Brien's opinion on private developers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's been clearly that the, the housing crisis has been a political football. It, it's very serious, um, in terms of the, the, whenever the next election comes, it, it's really the, the hot button issue. The government's housing for all strategy, as Omber Kennedy highlights in the piece, uh, it, their plan is to increase the supply of housing to an average of 33,000 per year over the next decade. And this includes the delivery of 90,000 social homes by 2030. Critics would say that the, the you know, the very low direct bills that have been in these figures, that's linked to the high social housing waiting list that we see and local authorities as well as has been well flagged. Uh, many would, would highlight that they're sitting on large tracts of public land, which are ripe for development. But again, this is, this is something that will not go away. And yeah. it's, 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 it's an issue that uh, we can expect to hear more and more about. Uh, and staying with uh, accommodation, Eamon Quinn in the Irish Examiner has a story about hotel beds and their availability this summer. Yeah, the, the chief executive of the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation, Ona Mara Walsh, is quoted in this piece in the Examiner. Um, and I think quite reasonably, you know, he's obviously saying, as everybody would, he welcomes the humanitarian response that, that the Irish hotel industry and funded through the government has had to particularly the refugee crisis coming from the, the war in Ukraine. But nevertheless, there, there, there is clearly a real impact on this. And, and the figures are that 35% of all hotel guest house B&B beds available for tourism in the state have been contracted by the government and taken out of supply for the summer. And uh, Omar Walsh is effectively saying the government needs a comprehensive plan on how to make up for these shortages. And the thing is, it's this problem is particularly acute in the West and high tourism reasons. Um, yeah, Mr. Gar Walsh is quoted as saying that 35% uh, of, of this uh, accommodation is in places like Donegal, Clare, Kerry, where clearly there's huge tourism demand over the summer months. And ironically, the hotels are actually okay because, you know, clearly they're, they're being paid by the government to provide this assistance. But it's the downstream tourism businesses that Mr. O'Gara Walsh is highlighting, you know, by, by his, um, he's citing Fulch Ireland estimates that say for every one euro a tourist spends on accommodation, they spend 250 on ancillary downstream tourism services. That clearly isn't finding its way into the local economy when so much of the, of the available bed space isn't being taken up by the traditional tourist. Yeah, indeed. Uh, let's move now to the Financial Times. Two of the top three most read stories in the Financial Times at the moment are about one man, Crispin Odie. Yes, uh, Mr. Odie is, he, he really he transcends the financial services sector, I would say, in terms of his prominence. Uh, it, it's a cliche probably to describe people as larger than life, but that certainly applies to, to Mr. Odie, a very, very high profile and prominent uh, figure in the city of London and beyond. And, um, you know, the story in the Financial Times yesterday had uh, contained some very detailed and serious allegations of misconduct at, at, at uh, Mr. Odie's hedge fund. In, in, in fairness, it must be said that Odie strongly uh, disputes these claims. Um, but given the nature of uh, the high profile nature of Crispin Odie and the seriousness of the allegations, I think clearly this is a story that will run and we, we'll be hearing more about. There has been an ongoing investigation into Odie Asset Management by the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK about non-financial misconduct. 
the scope of that may possibly widen. And indeed, we've already seen some fallout from this in that the one of the prime brokers for OD Asset Management, Morgan Stanley, is looking to sever ties with the company. Yeah, that would, they won't like that if, if, if that spreads to other investment banks. And finally, the Indian Stock Exchange. It looks as if it might reach a record high. Yeah, this is... Um, <laughs> It's of a theme, really, with with uh, what's happening broadly in global markets. The Reserve Bank of India yesterday kept interest rates unchanged, which, again, with the Federal Reserve rate decision coming up next week, is of a piece with the the chronic tightening of policy over the last eighteen months easing somewhat, and stock markets going as as we say in, in the industry, going in the direction of the most pain. So investors broadly were not positioned for markets to go higher and to be pushing towards new highs in some cases like India. So that's that's a direction that causes a lot of a lot of investors on the hop and the, the squeeze is on, as they say. We don't make short term predictions, but nevertheless, anybody interested in the psychology of markets will find this interesting that when people are positioned for a, a directional move and things go the other way, the further that move goes, the more pain that is felt by those investors. Yeah, we've been speaking for two decades about the growth of China, but India has really zoomed up in the last few years in terms of its business expansion, its stock market and its GDP. It's now the fifth largest economy in the world. Dan, thank you so much and have a lovely weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dan Moroni there from RBC Brew and Dolphin. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.